Welcome back, everyone, once again to Looking for the Ocean, the podcast where we watch everything that Pixar has ever made and we talk about what it means to us. I'm Mark Young. I am joined, as always, by Danny Vincent. And this week, we are joined by a very special guest, Dylan Kreit. Hello, Dylan. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I wonder if... Thanks for having me on. Yes. Wonderful to have you. Um, so I want to, I just want to like get right into it. I know we talk a little bit off mic, but do you want to tell us, uh, you're, you know, Danny from the past. I wonder if you could, what? Yes. Hello, Danny. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm here. Don't worry. I'm in this episode. (laughs) No, no, no. You're all good. I did not use my hall pass on the good dinosaur. I I did the work for this. What? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think we have hall passes for Pixar movies. I know, but like. I've said on my other show, this is a part of the Danny podcast universe, uh, the Snub Club, uh, we, we just introduced the idea of a hall pass or like a pass movie, and I've said I'm not using it on the Snub Club, so could I use it here? Probably not, because Mark's not affiliated with them, but I'm just having it for the record, I did not use my hall pass on the good dinosaur. What would your hall pass be? Hmm. Uh, well, let me tell you, right now, because I'm in the process of booking the rest of the year, there are two detours that are not exciting at all coming up. Um, so, to spoil a detour we will eventually get to, I think I would take my hall pass on Rock Dog. I feel like it's going to be just a Norm of the North episode all over again, except that it's Mm -hmm. an actual detour, (laughs) rather than an April Fool's episode. So. Mm -hmm. So, but you guys know, you've known each other for a while? This is the first time I've seen Dylan in the flesh, though. It's true. Yeah, same, same here. In in the flesh, mm-hmm. as in being on, uh, on a camera. Are right? you impressed, so, Dylan? On a camera from, sorry. Are you impressed, Dylan? Pretty were you impressed. were you like expecting some big things? I now mean, you're I, seeing Danny in the flesh I, for the well, first time. I'm being a little silly because we have seen like we sent selfies to our group all like all of us sent selfies to the group yeah. like all the time. So it's like. Or, like, we see your TikToks, too. So it's like, we know what yeah. each other look like. Um, it's just like, oh, yeah, here we are, live in camera. <laughs> I don't well, know you're um, in person. But. So I know Danny from, from Box Office Theory. And uh, on the forums, his his profile picture is the, I uh, can't remember his name, the guy from Aladdin. It's Billy and Magnuson so it's like, in Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. And before that, for a while, and this could have been, I can't remember how many years ago, but it was David Henry for yes. a little while. And so I almost like completely just associated you with those, uh, with those faces. And I, I know like I'm R two D two, so yeah. it's it's weird like seeing seeing you as you as a person rather than Swedish prince from Aladdin. I think it's always so interesting to meet people, particularly from that forum, because you get your own mental voice for them, and then you meet them and you have to readjust entirely. Um, and that's happened yes. to me a lot because I've met a lot of people from there. We've had some, we've had Carson on the show before, for example, and we've had oh, uh, no way. Jay. Jay's been on the show, of course. Um, and Jay is crazy because Jay's always like he's a uh, Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park, and then you meet him in person. He does actually somewhat have like that excited vibe, but not the Jeff Goldblum energy. I love Jay. Jay's great. Okay. Um, but uh, or I think uh, who else? Or uh, um, Evan Mark. Evan's also from. Um, these plays you know whenever my forums come up that's who they are mm-hmm. um, but I actually was going to say I have a very strong belief that people on the internet when they like make their own personas should do what we do and by that I mean pick an avatar and stick with it and if you change it you have yeah. to stick with it because that is your persona uh, exactly uh, 
I believe David Henry. It was a picture of David Henry from That's So Raven. I believe he was my profile from like 2013, 20. Yeah, yeah I think 2013 to 2019. And then since 2019, it's been Billy Magnuson from Aladdin. So it's like, those are my two personas. That's who they will be. If I ever choose to change it, I have to pick something to stay as. I think I did change it briefly for The Matrix 4. I was very excited for The Matrix 4. Uh, I can't remember who I picked, but I was someone from The Matrix mm-hmm. 4. Because everyone was doing it. Well, I think that was the thing is I was, uh, I think I started out in 2014 as the poster for like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. And then some random that. user with like 10 posts decided to use that as their avatar. And I thought, what the heck? I can't be unique anymore. So I had to, uh, I had to switch gears. And so ever since I think 2015, it's been R2D2, and I don't think I can change. I, I wish I had a that. list of like avatars for someone on our website. There's someone on our website named Chewy who I think might have been a little before your time because I think I joined, I joined a bit before you. Well, no, Chewy's been around. Chewy pops up now and then. Yeah, Chewy isn't Chewy Daisy Ridley from Chaos Walking. So that's what it is currently, but before it, it was Alice Eve screaming in Star Trek in the Darkness. Oh. And I feel like those are, like, that. that's what I aim for, is, like, you gotta get, like, an image that's perfect. Like, those two are, like, immediately, like, evocative. Me, like, going with the one white guy in the Aladdin live-action remake. <laughs> or, um, David Henry, but as a child, looking like he's gonna throw up. Like, those are both, like, pretty easy-to-remember images. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so... Uh, and that's that's why there's been some like recently in our group chat we have a friend named Jason who I actually would like to, I'm surprised he hasn't been I would love to book him on the show at some point um, but he had his avatar for like literally since I m- met him or like got to know him in like I think like around the time you joined 2014 has been like the icon for Microsoft Excel uh, and he just changed it I'm like why no no sorry that's not true it was Judy Hopps from Zootopia for a bit and then it was Microsoft Excel and I feel like Microsoft Excel being your forum profile image is such a, like, a, like oh, okay, you're Microsoft Excel, like, obviously. Um, but anyway. Um, how did how did you get into the forums, Dylan? Has it just been an all-your-life all thing? Well, I mean, I joined the forums when I was, like, 15, um, and it was it was because, I remember, I think I was in, I was in grade 9 at, you know, back in high school, and I was, I was, I've been into like tracking and following box office since Wreck It Ralph's box office run. I don't that's know why a, specifically that. No, movie. that's actually but, when I got into it too. That's something funny that you mentioned that that it wasn't Wreck It Ralph though. I know Wreck It Ralph was around that. Cause I sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm being so terrible. No, no, right don't now. worry. I joined the forums in 2012, but to play Kom, which was the game where it was like you make your movies and whatever. But then I started following box office. Not even though Wreck It Ralph, I was curious in. I started following box office. A lot, few weeks later, was Skyfall. Skyfall was really, like, yeah. the same time as Wreck-It Ralph. And those two were like, wow. And then Life of Pi 2 was a crazy run. Like, 2012 yeah. winter was really it. So, anyway, go on. I was like, oh, wow, crazy I coincidence. Remember, <laughs> no, it's all good. I just, I remember, I, I can't even remember why I specifically stumbled onto Box Office Mojo. But um, something to do with Wreck-It Ralph. I think I just seen the movie or something. Google it. Click a couple links. I end up on Mojo. And uh, it was just after their weekend write-up. I think it was Ray used to do the write-ups. Yes. It is and uh, so I read the write-up for that. For... And a couple days later, they did a forecast for Skyfall. And I was super hyped for Skyfall just because, you know, 13, 14-year-old boy, James Bond. And um, so I started tracking box office like late 2012, early 2013. Um, and then I started trying to predict things, like try to make box office predictions for like 2013, 2014. 
And I just remember I I kept trying to find references online. Like I'd look up, you know, Jack the Giant Slayer box office predictions, scroll down, finally find a link to box office discussion, because that's what the main forum page is called. Clicked on that, probably lurked for six months or so. Then I finally decided to create an account when people were arguing over I think it was Lucy and Hercules. I think people were arguing over those two movies. So I created an account. I wanted to Lucy won, be a right? part of that. I think Lucy won. Lucy won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lucy won. Um, well, my, my question is, because this is... Because our other guests from the box office forum so far have been more my KOM friends. And by that, I mean we weren't as into tracking the box office. So I'm curious, because I always like telling mine, and I don't think I've said them on my podcast. What do you think is your best and worst call? And I, I'll do mine first, because I really want to okay. put these on the record is my worst call was I started a club saying that Star Trek Into Darkness would open to over $150 million. And Star Trek Into Darkness, I don't remember what it opened to, but I'm pretty sure it was less than half of that. Um, yeah, it was around 70. So. Yeah. So I was, but I was so like, this is the dark night for Star Trek, because Star Trek was such a great film. Um, but my best call was, and this was after the trailer that was just Olaf running around and being stupid with Sven, I predicted Frozen would do over 300 million. And Frozen did under 400 million, but if you go to that that thread, everyone's going like, we'll be lucky to match Tangled. We're like, lucky, oh, which is yeah. 200. Like, we'll be lucky to hit 200. No, out, out, out. And I was like, no, I think it's going to be big. It looks like it's going to be a big deal. It gets great reactions there. I see it. It's going to be a musical. Tangled was good. Disney's been on an upswing. No reason for this not to be huge. And then... It was one of the, the biggest animated movies ever. Yeah. Uh, so those are my two. That's my uh, best call. My worst of, call. In terms of box office, I'm like trying. I'm trying to think of a couple. I know there's a few clubs that I made that were just absolute disasters. One was um, I made a Gods of Egypt over 150 million domestic. <laughs> something like that. Um, somewhere in that ballpark, I was like, oh yeah, Gerard Butler. Like this is gonna be a big hit. I was stupid. I don't. I don't know why. And this was after the trailer came out. Like this was after we had already seen what the movie looked like. Um, that was a bad call. I don't know if I made a club, but I remember I was pretty high on like the good dinosaur over Inside Out train. Well, um, we're gonna talk about that in this episode. We're, for this, yeah. That's why oh, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're here because that was. I definitely we need to talk about the box office of this film. Like this oh, is yeah. like the I, rare I remember... film where we have to discuss the box office. Yeah. No, I wasn't. Um, I don't know if I even made a club. But I remember, like, I was scrolling through some old posts. I don't know if you ever do that. Well, yeah, because you like a lot of old posts. Well, but, um... I, I used to. Um, I think I've... I, I used to do that, like, a lot. I, I used to have this bit. I feel like I should explain this to the listeners because it's going to make no sense. Because I've never brought this up on mic. I used to have this bit where at one point... <laughs> Like, where do I start with this? I don't even know what where, where I start with a bit, but the idea was, like, what if I liked every single post? Like, what, okay. if, what if every person just logged on and it was, like, 105 notifications? Blakeman's like two posts. Blakeman's like two quotes. And to well, the point the where they time... added a rule, because of me, to limit likes per day. Well, I think the first time the first time I ever won the day in terms of like the number of likes that I got was just because I, I logged on one day and I had like thirty five likes from you. I think I must have like ran so. through your like uh your top like your countdown of whatever year it was because that's always what would happen to be like I had run through like 
someone's countdown of the year and they would get all the likes. And be like, what? Where did that come from? And it'd be like, it's just me. Uh, but I have stopped doing that for multiple reasons. One is like, no time, not really interested, not really even on the forums much anymore. Uh, but also, if I'm going to commit that time and energy to liking people so they follow me and like respect me, I'm going to do it on Letterboxd. <laughs> where where the, the follow That's count true. actually goes up. <laughs> I, um, no, but I remember I was going through some of my old posts and I was like, I was so hard on that. And this is after Inside Out opened. This is after Inside Out made like whatever it is, 350 domestic. I had so many posts and I was like, oh yeah, like Pixar's going to have a fantastic year. Like they've got $350 million film. They're going to have a $400 million film with a good dinosaur. So the, the, uh, that, the sen- those were some pretty bad calls for sure. The sentiment I expressed last week was, and we'll get into this more when we talk about the movie fully. Um, the attitude was Jurassic World just did big. Inside Out just did big. Clearly, a dinosaur Pixar movie is going to be huge. Um, but, exactly. Yeah. Um, now, Dylan, I realize we didn't say this on mic, and you don't have to, I guess, if you don't want to, but what do you do? Uh, what is your life? Tell me your life. Uh, yeah, so I just started working as a teacher. Um, I teach grade 8 to 12, science, social studies, English. Um, I also have a TikTok where I talk about the seven years that I worked at a movie theater. Because there cool. was some, there was some stuff that I saw uh, back in the day. Um, I worked there from 2015 to 2022. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So um, all of your advice isn't. I I watched a bit of it and I thought like, oh, he's out there in the trenches. But so that all is like from your past. From the past, yeah. So I I started that in 2020, which at that point I still worked at the theater. Um, granted, it was closed down due to COVID at the time, but. Um, so for the first two years I was making videos, those were all like very current, you know, this is still happening. And the sad thing is, is that I've still got stories that I haven't even told for TikTok mm-hmm. yet. And it's been like a year since I've worked at the theater. So mm-hmm. Dylan, how did you first encounter Pixar? How did I first encounter Pixar? The first movie I ever saw in theaters was The Incredibles. Um, it was in... Yeah, great movie. Um, and, oh God, what were my favorite movies at the time? So I, I had seen A Bug's Life. A Bug's Life was kind of like the Pixar movie that I always remember having seen because we had it on VHS. I'd probably seen it like a million times in the, uh, you know, in the VCR. So when we, my parents first took me and my little sister to the, to the theater, it was, it was The Incredibles. And just being in like the dark, I remember it was like, it was a packed theater. There was like the the theater lights, you know, the little lights on the floors, on the aisles. Um, thinking like walking into the dark room that it was like almost like I was going to be like transported on like a ride, like a theme park ride. And the screen was almost like it wasn't a surround screen, but it was like a, it wasn't just like a little flat, small town theater. This was in like Vancouver. So it was this big, giant projection uh awesome movie and then we bought Finding Nemo was the first DVD that we ever bought uh, when you know things started to transition to DVDs so I probably watched that a billion times Um, and then from there they just started putting out like quality movie after quality movie that ended up in the DVD collection Mm -hmm. and so now when you think of Pixar do you still think about quality movies what what are your thoughts about it now so I, I still do think quality movies i was talking about um uh i I made a tiktok recently talking about the 
biggest the biggest movie or the movies that i think will be the biggest movies of 2024 and so inside out comes up and i mentioned that given all the i think there's quite a bit of nostalgia building up for inside out um especially talking to like my students who are currently in high school who would have been five or six years old when the first one came out um to them it's kind of like what finding dory or the incredibles 2 was for me um and i remember saying that as long as inside out 2 is at least good i think it will be a pretty big hit and given that it's pixar i'm fairly confident that it's going to be at least good now we don't have pete doctor directing um which Kelsey man. might make me a yeah might make me a little trepidatious but i'm still confident the with story pixar. supervisor on the good dino pete doctor was the story funny. supervisor no no kelsey man is oh kelsey, kelsey, oh, is kelsey man. okay <laughs> okay um but yeah, I'm I'm always pretty confident that Pixar is going to put out something of at least like pretty decent quality. There was that period of time, I would say, from Cars two until Inside Out, that there was definitely a sentiment of, you know, Pixar's. You know, there was Pixar's glory days, and now, you know, they're just another animation studio. And then I think Inside Out came out, kind of reinvigorated a lot of that. Um, you know, a lot of that sentiment of like, okay, Pixar's back. Um, Good Dinosaur was a, a flop at the box office, regardless of what you think of it quality-wise. Um, Finding Dory did really well, but it was okay. And then Coco, fantastic movie. Um, and so I think now Pixar's kind of started to rebuild its... Um, its what's the word I'm looking for? Its reputation as, you know, a creator of like quality movies. You know, we had Luca, we had Turning Red, we had Soul. Um, and while they weren't, you know, theatrical hits because they weren't released in theaters, I think people, for the most part, really liked them. Elemental had really good word of mouth. And so I think we're I think we're on track for Pixar being, you know, um, a, a pretty safe bet. Excuse me. Soul? Theatrical release? Sorry? Theatrical release. Sorry, I'm being annoyed. Well, like, okay. Soul okay, didn't have a theatrical release. release. I just went game, to it. Had, what, I just went 30... to the AMC. I just saw it. <laughs> was it an empty theater, though? There were two other people in there besides me and my girl. There you go. There you go. Okay, so so Soul had a theatrical release. It made $400,000. Um, so, sure. Okay, okay. It technically got the theatrical release. Yeah. Anyways, have sorry, you seen like... Turning Red? I've seen Turning Red. I think I've seen every single Pixar film. So you know, okay. Bringing up Turning Red, I realize Mark doesn't know something about you. I think unless he says what I wasn't listening earlier. Where are oh. you from? What country are you from? I'm I'm in Canada. Oh, you're in oh. Canada. That's exciting. yeah. I'm in Canada. I'm from Canada. I live in oh. uh, I live in British Columbia. So when I was oh, saying so the alphabet, you mentioning oh, Turning yeah. Red immediately popped in my head. I was like, oh shit, yeah. yeah. Canada. <laughs> when I said, when I was saying the alphabet, I was making sure just to say Z, not Z, because in Canada we say Z, and I was like, nope, not going to do the Canada thing right now. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to out you in some way. It's like, why, what is he trying to get out of me here? No. No. Um, well, <laughs> I don't know. I find it kind of funny that Danny's like, oh, you're from Canada, but like British Columbia is pretty far away from Toronto. So. Yeah. I'm like still, it's still hmm. we just think of Toronto as far away from anywhere. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that's really how it is. Yeah. Um. Well, all right, we're here all right. today 
to talk about a special movie that Danny is going to tell us about now. I say that like I've forgotten what we're talking about, but this is just Danny's part. Anyway, Danny. The Good Dinosaur! A Groundbreaker! I haven't dropped that one in a while. Uh, The Good Dinosaur is a big, big movie for Pixar because it's an original film of theirs that bombs. Not like Brave or like... I guess Brave is the only example so our cars, braver cars where it's like some critics are like this is a little a little a little much. This is a little half-assed. Cuz that's kind of the critical reception this gets. The difference is is that audience don't bite at all for the good dinosaur. The good dinosaur um begins development in 2009 uh and then uh gets announced in 2011. Famously tumultuous uh production where the original director Bob Peterson who I think is really interesting because he get well he gets fired but unlike everyone else who seems to get fired from Pixar movies he's been around Pixar since then like he, he keeps working there he keeps he loves it there uh, and he continues to work there to this day um but he gets fired off the movie and replaced with Pete Son who just directed Elemental um and you know I think it's a movie you know I shouldn't give my thoughts on it because that's what the th- me actually give me thoughts on it uh, it was. Uh, look, I'm about to do what Mark hates is when and that's um advertising more popular podcast. Um, there's a podcast I listen to called This Had Oscar Buzz, and this is the only animated movie they've ever covered on that show because it's obviously it's a Pixar movie. You expect to get nominated for best animated feature, even if it's because it's not a sequel. It's an original Pixar movie. Nope, not nominated. Completely disregarded. It didn't get nominated. No, it got nominated at the Globes, but not at the. Uh, uh, at the uh, Oscars. Um, oh, wow. It grossed $332 million worldwide on a $200 million, $175 to $200 million budget. This is a pretty big bomb. Uh, and, you know, I don't think, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it kind of gets middling reception, comes out instantly forgotten. Uh, I'm trying to remember, oh, I can we can dissect a little bit why it bombed. I think there's a multitude of reasons. One being there was a more appealing option as a family. The other being that in 20, November 2015, everyone was waiting for Star Wars. Uh, I think that's more it than anything else. Uh, but the Good Dinosaur is a movie. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I feel like so that, that's got to be my intro. When was the first time y'all encountered this movie? I will go first, if I may, because I might be called away very briefly to let someone in the building. Um, Good Dinosaur. I saw it opening day (laughs) at the matinee. Because 2015, I was in college. I got off the previous day, drove, took the train back. Movie comes out Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It's like, why not go midday? There's not going to be kids here. They're still at school in my my district. Uh, I see it with my mom and my brother. Uh, I admittedly cry a little bit, go like, that was, that movie's like underrated. That was nice. I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd. About a week later, so I feel like I'm a little too kind to it. But, you know, I have a policy where it's like, I don't adjust grades, so I give it a full rewatch. And unfortunately, I did not give it a full rewatch until today. I have seen it once since then, and it was at work when we were showing movies to kids. And uh, we watched the, I watched, I half, I try not to, I don't re review movies when I watch them at work because I'm not really watching the movie, you know? Um, I'm watching the kids watch the movie, and you know it, it played for it played well with the kids. It makes sense. It played well with the kids, um, but yeah. Then I watched it again last night, first time really in 
I assume it eight, seven, seven or eight years. Um, but yeah, it's it's a forgotten Pixar movie for a reason that I'm sure we'll get into. But but spoil suspense. Wait to reveal why. Dylan, your turn. How did you first encounter the good dinosaur? I also saw it in theaters. I wasn't as enthusiastic as Danny about going on opening day, but I'm pretty sure opening week at some point. Um, I worked at the theater at that point, uh, the local theater just in the town that I grew up in. Um, so whenever like you know a bunch of my friends were getting together, I was always the guy trying to suggest to go to the to the movies. Um, and I'd say in high school, I my taste in movies wasn't exactly the most well-liked. Um, I don't know why. My taste in movies is perfect. But mm-hmm. uh, back in, like, grade 8 or not, no, it was grade 9, I remember I got this, like, there was, like, 20 of us. We all went to Gravity on opening night, and I was hyping up this movie for the last month, and I really liked it. I thought Gravity was great, but I was the only one that everyone else in the friend group absolutely hated it. And that, I think, forever tarnished um, the ability for my friends to say, okay, we'll let Dylan pick the movie. And so a bunch of us got together one weekend. This is grade 11 now. And I wasn't allowed to pick the movie. Um, I think I was going to suggest Creed 3, but a bunch of them wanted to go watch The Good Dinosaur. Um, so we watched The Good Dinosaur. And I remember they they liked it a lot better than I did. Like, I enjoyed it. Um, but there was this whole sentiment of like, yeah, this is why Dylan doesn't pick the movie. Uh, because, you know, we let Nick pick the movie or Seb pick the movie and uh, everyone loved it. So that was that was the first time I saw The Good Dinosaur. I was kind of sitting there like, OK, I want to watch Creed, but or not Creed 3, just the original Creed. And uh, I, <laughs> like every yeah. Creed, it's that versus The Good Dinosaur. Creed but, or The Good Dinosaur. And uh, mm-hmm. they picked The Good Dinosaur. It was OK, but they all really, really liked it. Um, you know, wasn't a very full theater. Um, cause what it opens like 30, 38 million dollars or something, which I, I was I about to open time, up the box ups. Yeah. You guys want yeah. I, I had a quick look at it today, but, um, I think other than the first toy story and bugs life, I think it was Pixar's lowest opener at that point. But, uh, I remember just thinking working at the theater, expecting the good dinosaur to be this $400 million grocer thinking, where the heck is everybody? on the opening weekend and so we went to go see it not a huge crowd but my friends all really liked it and i thought it was okay at first i think the more important context for good dinosaur no uh, no offense is not how it opened in regards to other pixar openers but how it opened in regards to the thanksgiving animated films because i think yeah comparing even to the other disney ones or i think it's like rise of the guardians levels which is not a very successful film either i was gonna say very quickly if you want to know what other options you had in theaters over thanksgiving 2015 you could see the last hunger games movie you could see creed i think this was a more appealing family outing was the peanuts movie people love charlie brown and snoopy um yeah also it's a better film than this you could see specter you could see victor frankenstein See, I think I remember we had um because it was only a five plex at the time. Um, you could also you know, see the Martian small... Spotlight, to be clear. Also. Martian Spotlight hadn't opened yet, so the five movies that we had available were Good Dinosaur, Creed, Vector, Peanuts, and Victor Frankenstein. Are you so. sure the Martian didn't open yet, or you guys just stopped showing it? Because the Martian we just we stopped showing it. it. It's pretty rare. I remember in that town, it was pretty rare to play a movie for more than six weeks, just because limited screen space they clear things out so mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we didn't have the Martian anymore. And we had all already seen the Martian. Our physics teacher took us on a field trip, so. Yeah, but my point is there are a lot of... I I feel like for a family, obviously the Peanuts movie is a better option, right? Totally. Um, And uh, beyond the Peanuts movie, you can also go see, as a fan, like an older family, like my family... You know, me taking my mom and my brother, like, going to see the good dino, I was like, why are we watching this and not The Hunger Games? Or why are we watching this and not Creed? Um, as you kind of alluded to. Um, yeah. But, Mark, I'm sorry I skipped over you, but I also assume your first experience of this film was watching it two days ago or three days ago. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk a little bit about, though, like, experiencing the marketing for this film. Because I don't think I was ever interested in this film, but I remember seeing ads for it, and I thought it was, like, some kind of film about the environment or something like that. And I don't know, I don't know why, because it's, because I remember all the ads being, like, the green dinosaur on the blue background. And I don't remember if the kid was there or not, and it's got fireflies and stuff. And all, all of these things seem to say to me that this is like oh he's good because he recycles or something like that and that's what this movie's going to be about i don't think uh, i was really we should just like i think sorry i think i saw maybe creed in the theaters around that time but i don't know if i was really and didn't you see it with us in the movie theaters i should check my letterbox see if you saw it with us because i remember when seeing was, creed was with julius yeah wouldn't you know maybe me and julius it. by then i'm not um, sure that i did um but oh yeah i can check very quickly because you know on letterboxd i I keep track of that stuff but um yeah i just i don't remember it being something that stuck out to me and and especially not in the way that inside out did i remember inside out got of course a lot of buzz because people were able to talk about it like oh is this a good representation of the mind or whatever but i remember the good dinosaur not having a strong marketing hook and well, if it wasn't about what I thought it was, it seems it seems now like you'd advertise it like you'd advertise Ice Age, you know? But there wasn't even that for it. Like, I, what is what does this movie have to offer you? I what, think what, this okay, film. Danny, yes. I think this film, as a, you know, a big nerd about this stuff, I can give you my exact point of disappointment of this is that this is announced at D twenty three whenever it's first announced as this is a Pixar movie. That's going to give you an alternate world where dinosaurs were never hit by the um, um, the meteor or whatever, the asteroid. And instead, humans and dinosaurs grew up and coexisted with each other. And this takes place in the modern day. And so, you hear that, you immediately go, oh cool, this is going to be like, although we didn't have Zootopia yet, but this is going to be like a Zootopia-esque movie, like a, an urban adventure in a world that somehow is designed to account for dinosaurs. And then the first trailer comes... Oh, sorry, not the first trailer, because the first trailer just gives you the premise, what if the asteroid missed? But then the trailer that like reveals what this movie actually is is like, why is it just wilderness? Why, is it, why isn't this like the movie that... like Because it's like, here's a really cool premise. We're going to give you a Western out of it, which is an interesting idea in theory, uh, but also pretty much destroys the main hook of this film of what if dinosaurs and humans live together well humans would just be dogs well <laughs> well that's that was kind of the issue that i had especially re-watching it so i rewatched it last night for the first time since i saw it in theaters and it's like i well i watched the trailer first and it was like what if the meteor never hit us and i was just thinking about i had this book when i was a kid it was called like if dinosaurs were alive today and it was a bunch of photoshopped images of like surfers being attacked by like a wild pleuridon and i thought that could be 
you know, that could be the hook, like like you were saying, Danny, um, dinosaurs in an urban setting. But when you look at it, there there's no reason for them to have to have the, um, you know, what if the meteor didn't hit us? Because the humans aren't even really humans. It's just a dog. Like, Spot's a dog, essentially, a glorified dog. There's no reason for him to be a human. So at that point, the whole premise, the whole marketing hook is just moot. There, there's no... And, and the trailers kind of show that, too. Like, it, it just takes place in the dinosaur time, you know, in the Mesozoic era. But there's a human running around. There's a couple humans here and there. But they're not humans. They're just pets that are animated as humans. Mm-hmm. I think another... This, this key- Dinosaurs so- Were Alive Today book cover goes pretty hard. Yeah, yeah it does. Say- <laughs> Mm-hmm. I was thinking about a Jurassic World Dominion, which is another movie that gives you a cool premise of what if dinosaurs were around in the real in the current day, and gives you like a storyline about locust infestation instead. Uh, that's what the good dinosaur is. Is like, what if dinosaurs and humans lived together and humans were just dogs? It's like, okay. Um, I think the other key, pro- I, I can sum up the problems of this movie very quickly. There's that. There's what we talked about last time with well last feature episode we did with Inside Out is really what makes Pixar successful is their best films. Um, they don't even necessarily need messages for children because I just rewatched Soul and I stick by that movie has like no messages for a kid to get out of it. But they have messages for the parents. And Inside Out has that. Finding Nemo has that. The Toy Story movies have that. Obviously The Incredibles. The Good Dinosaur is a movie for children about a child who acts like a child and is never really confronted with a reasonable danger for a modern-day parent to worry about. Because that's not to say this movie isn't full of danger. I think this movie gets weirdly, incredibly dark at multiple points for what's otherwise a very childish script. Um, But Arlo never feels like anything more than, like, this is a scared child archetype. I don't ever feel like... I also... Again, I kind of I wanted to allude to this earlier. Mark, like, is the dinosaur good because he's environmentally friendly? No, but I don't know what in the world makes this the good dinosaur compared to every other dinosaur in the film. I do not. The title makes no sense at all. <laughs> well, I was thinking about that. I was actually thinking about that when I was watching the movie. Is like, what what separates him from the other dinosaurs? Okay, there's the pterodactyls that you know are like the vultures, but then every other dinosaur is you know pretty accommodating and friendly and good uh, there's the weird uh, one the, who likes the birds there's the weird one who likes the birds there's the well he's i don't know i'd say he was okay he was good yeah he's um, fine. he's, he's, he's yeah. the neutral dinosaur yeah exactly <laughs> the neutral dinosaur there was the um you know the t-rexes who are like the red herring dinosaurs but they're still th- the good dinosaurs there's nothing that makes arlo bit like i wasn't as interested in his character as i would have been even in the the triceratops with the birds on its head that could have been an interesting movie or the t-rex clan that could have been an interesting the t-rex movie. i just can't believe this is a movie that like if this feels like a movie where it's like how do i put this me and former guests of the podcast julius used to have this joke where it'd be like it's not even a joke it's just kind of a fact that um steve buscemi uh not like these movies like pixar movies like monsters inc that's the example he's John Goodman, Billy Crystal, Steve Buscemi here in that movie. Once they're in that movie, they kind of stop, like, doing movies for a bit, really. Uh, not really, like, they can they can do whatever they want, but it's like, oh, we did the Pixar movie, now we can just 
coast by a bit. No, not even that. It's like, what Pixar movie is Steve Buscemi in? Monsters, Inc. This has Jeffrey Wright and Sam Elliott. And it's like, oh yeah, they were in a Pixar movie. And Anna Paquin, too. And Isn't Francis, Francis McDormand. McDormand is this, too? Yeah. Yes, Francis McDormand is in this. And it's yeah. like, what what's going on here? I just don't understand, you know? So it's, well, not even that. It's not even that I don't understand. It's like, this movie is lost to time. And it's like, oh man, these are all actors I'd love to see in a Pixar movie. Oh wait, they were in the, like, I don't want to, because I don't think this is the worst Pixar movie, but I think it's the one that's easily the most forgettable. Um, Agreed. What's the worst Pixar movie? Have we talked about that? Uh, we've definitely seen a film worse than this already, in my opinion. Yeah, is it Cars 2? Like, what's the worst? Is that a joke, Dylan? I thought you knew. Yeah. I love Cars 2. Cars oh. 2 is the only good Cars movie. Okay, Cars, Cars, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Cars 2, probably <laughs> for me, I I don't love um I don't love Brave. Cars 3. My, my answer was Brave. I don't like Cars Braves, 3. Yeah, Cars 3, Brave, Cars 2, I think were probably the bottom three for me. That sounds about right. I wouldn't... Mm-hmm. No, sorry. Car, I would put Cars 1 down there, but the other two sound about right. See, I was, I was like seven years old um, when Cars 1 came out, so no one can diss Cars 1, because that you know, movie was... I should just double check. Cars my one Pixar also ranking. looks great. I think that yeah. you know, having rewatched it and just comparing it to other old things we've seen, the opening of Cars One is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it looks great. And that's something with the good dinosaur too, is I think the backgrounds at least look some of the best of like all of Pixar's movies. You know, it's unfortunate that the dinosaurs themselves look like they're from a cheaper movie. But I've... The, like the animation for the world is almost photorealistic at points like it was far and ahead of most animated movies especially back in 2015 so you know it, it just yeah i was gonna say for the record i looked up my bottom three um i'm gonna put out here that it says a bug's life is my bottom three i don't agree with that i think light year is definitely in the rounds out the bottom three not but uh Oh my I forgot gosh, about Lightyear. I forgot, I forgot oh, Lightyear I existed until now. It's almost it, unfair to include Lightyear in this like list of rankings. You know, it's it's not very it's not very meaningful to say that that's the worst movie. You know. Well, I I think uh, I have Cars three and Brave below it. So, but um, but ridiculous. yeah, I would put Lightyear below Bugs Life, even if this list currently has a Bugs Life below Lightyear. Um, mm-hmm. but. What were we saying? Oh, I think well, this I film. Just, this is. Oh, sorry. You can go ahead. Mark. No, no, no. I was. I'm gonna. I'm going back on track like you are, and I just wanted to say I don't. I don't have anything controversial to add to that too. I think I'm where you guys are. Like it's either Brave or one of the cars that I haven't seen. But yeah, and then you forget about Lightyear, and it's like, oh my gosh, yeah. that was a mainline Pixar movie. Yes. But um. Anyway. But I was talking about this um with my girlfriend when we were well. I watched Soul with her, and then we um, kind of watched The Good Dinosaur. Um, I watched The Good Dinosaur. Uh, but I was like, yeah, this is like where they started doing what they kind of perfect with Soul in Toy Story 4, where it's like, look at how beautiful these backgrounds are. Uh, but Toy Story 4 and Soul work to actually get the characters implemented in them, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas in Good Dinosaur, it's like, wow, this would be really beautiful if there wasn't like a plastic dinosaur in the middle of this shot. Like, there's this beautiful shot, I remember, of, like, when they're hurting, like, the buffalo or whatever. It's like, wow, that's gorgeous. And then the dinosaur runs in the frame. You're like, oh, yeah. 
Is this what I'm watching right now? There's no detail to any of the dinosaurs. Like, if you look at them, they're just, like, these smooth, rubbery action figures that are run through. Like, even the scene where where, um, Arlo and his dad swish their tails in the grass and the fireflies, like, that's a beautiful shot. But they look so fake. Like, it looks like they're just superimposed over this background that was created completely separately, which I wonder, I don't know, Danny, um, you might know more about this than I do, but cause didn't they delay good dinosaur from 2014? Like they either yes. had, so is it possible that there's something that went on there? Like they had to change a lot of the story. They could use some of the original background animation. Let me tell you, I don't know exactly what happened. No, the details haven't come out, but when they delayed it, that's when they fired the director and they yeah. delayed it pretty close to release. Cause I don't know. I can look up the exact date, but I remember when we did our Party Central episode, which was the Monsters U short, initially it was announced to come with the good dino in theaters, and then they're like, actually the good dino's being delayed here, we're just going to put this out on, like, something else. Yeah. Um, the good dinosaur, yeah, mid-2013, Bob Peterson was removed from the cast, and then uh, Bob Peterson uh, uh, was in September 2013, that's when they pushed it back from May 2014 to November 2015, which was when Finding Dory was supposed to release. But Finding Dory having a little more time was fine. Um, but it looks like... Yeah, this is actually what's interesting. So the original cast announced... Let me read the original cast. It was going to be Lucas Neff as the titular good dinosaur. It's like a child actor at the time. John Lithgow, Francis McDormand, Neil Patrick Harris, Judy Greer, and Bill Hader. Francis McDormand was the only person who got to keep her role. Everyone else was uh, John Lithgow being replaced by Jeffrey Wright. That's an upgrade. Uh, Judy Greer's character was... Sorry, Judy Greer, Bill Hader, and Neil Patrick Harris were all, like, obnoxious siblings. So instead, it was made into Buck and Libby. And yeah. But apparently this movie's always going to be about farmers. Which is just like... I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get why that, that. I don't get why that was like what they were married to here. Is what if they were farmers? What if the dinosaurs did agriculture? Yeah, I don't mind that. I think maybe it's just because I like that. I like that. There's a. I like stories like that when you go out into the wilderness and then the dad dies and then the family's in turmoil. That just appeals to me, and I don't know if it works with dinosaurs. I think maybe if they. You know, if they brought us forward a little bit like a million years, I think that a story about, like, dinosaurs versus humans, like, exploring the American frontier in the 1800s is kind of cool. Uh, I don't know if anyone wants to, like, tackle that, but I don't mind, I don't mind that they're, that they're farmers. I think that there is something there to explore about how, I don't know, just, like, herbivores, carnivores thing. I think I think they they had like half of an idea there. I think this film has issues and it's partially because of the central premise about it being a farmer. But I also think and this is what I really want to I alluded to earlier and I was like we'll talk about this later. I think yes Mark in theory a film about a father who dies and like the son learning how to come of age about him would be appealing if one I feel like this I come back to what I said earlier, where it's like, this is a film made strictly for young children, which is actually how I feel like Pete Son's second film, which is 
elemental. I feel like they're both in that realm where it's like, this feels like it's playing to a much younger audience than Pixar usually goes for. Which is funny, because I also think Luca does that too, but I think Luca has enough nostalgia in it that makes it feel like it's for adults looking back on childhood. Um, Mark's giving a face because Mark is not a fan of Luca. Um, no, 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 no. My, my eyes are dry. That's all. Oh, never mind. I'm I ac- actually, I'm not giving a face to that, but I do think, um, I don't know, I think Pixar... Plays to, has played to children a lot as they've gone. Cars on. is also it. I would say Cars is also it. Yes, I think like later Pixar especially has been very much for children. At least from what we've seen. I think I kind of have uh, whatever it's called, like proximity bias or something like that, because of what we've been watching lately. I don't think Monsters U is for know. children. I mean, it is like children will enjoy it, but I don't think the central message of it is for children. Or let me rephrase. I don't think the central message is something that children can easily dissect on their own. Let me rephrase. That's a better way to put it. I don't think it's that's fair. I don't think it's a. I think also to point it out, as I said earlier, to just reiterate, Inside Out might be for children, but it is a film like a lot of Pixar films about parenting. And one could argue, well, the Good Dinosaur is about parenting. He becomes like a dog dad, but it's like, eh. I feel like Spot's just kind of there. Um, yeah, it feels like one of the things that my my Pixar prof. I don't know what else I'd, I'd call them, but my Pixar prop would say is that, um, especially early Pixar, is that their movies, and, and using the word movies for kids or adults, I'm kind of using that very loosely, but Pixar made movies that are for adults, but they're kid-friendly, where, you know, you look at the central message of Finding Nemo, or especially the central message of The Incredibles, like, that is not something that I picked up on whatsoever the first 15 years that I saw that movie, no matter how many times I saw it. And now looking back, I was like, oh, my God, watching this was, you know, my parents, when they took me and they're in their early 40s, they saw a completely different movie than I did. Whereas I feel like with The Good Dinosaur, you know, parent takes their kid. The parent's not going to get nearly as much out of it as they would get out of something like Inside Out or The Incredibles or even Coco. Um, It's just I think one of the issues in The Good Dinosaur is its simplicity. Like, not as visual simplicity, but just the simplicity of the messaging and the story and, yeah, mm-hmm. characterization, too. I They're, was going like, to say, every, every... I, guess, I guess I get what you mean. Like, the message is for children because it's for someone who would need that in their life at that moment. The message uh, is Mar- Mar- yeah. the message of the film is stated to us by Jeffrey Wright near the end, I feel like, where he's like, don't be scared, now you're bigger than me. And it's like, okay... Don't be scared. What a great... Or let me rephrase. Because Sam Elliott says to the camera, What do you mean I wasn't scared? I was, I was, I was definitely scared. That's why I fought a gator. Uh, like, did, did, every, every time something like that happened, didn't it feel like they were like borrowing a line from another movie about fear? The whole movie feels like it's aiming to be a Western, but when the T-Rexes show up, it's like, okay, now we're actually like in a western because Sam Elliott's here and it's seems like a much more interesting movie if we just made it about that family um like make it be about trying to impress Sam Elliott rather but Sam Elliott could be like a wholesome I don't know I'm not gonna rewrite the movie because I think the film is fundamentally flawed anyway um by the way for the record also Mark this movie has Steve Zahn in it I know we talked about him like a few months ago and you're like who's Steve Zahn he's in this film uh, Steve what Zahn, is Steve Zahn dinosaur Steve Zahn plays Thunderclap, the leader of the pterodactyls. 
I, I knew I recognized the voice when I was watching it, but I couldn't place it. And honestly, I didn't bother IMDBing it. So that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think this is a movie that demands IMDb. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's kind of funny to me. Like, is there something that I'm missing that, like, why they're Canadian? You know, is that like a, a stereotype? Is the sure Canadian sort of a... is just Canadian, isn't he? Oh no, he's American. Is he Canadian? He's from Minnesota. Well, oh, hmm. oh, they're really well. They're really so. I'm wrong because they're not. They're not actually Canadian. They're like Minnesotan with that like a on the end of the things that they say. I don't know. I just thought it was funny that it was like, oh, the stereotype is that Minnesotans are like deceitful or something like that. <laughs> but I, I don't know that's just so funny you know i like you might be doing a play and you you're you're in like shakespeare and it's like let's let's like give these people western accents because we're doing much about nothing but they're all cowboys or something like that i think it's so funny that we always default to some like western or southern accent when doing these things but it's it's underexplored to just make all of your all your secondary characters like minnesotans <laughs> Like, oh, these Excuse are all me. the evil guys now. I hate to tell you this, but there's a five-season FX show that does that. It's called Fargo, based off the show. I'm, Sorry, based yeah. off the movie. It's not based no, off yeah. the show, Fargo. I know uh, there's a whole thing devoted to why Minnesotans are killers. So maybe that's what it's all about. Um, anyway, what were we talking about? This movie has well, like five movies in it. What I wanted to mention briefly is because I think... I think Dylan, you mentioned the characterization here being very childish, and it reminds me of my ongoing like complaint about Disney films. And by Disney films, I mean Walt Disney Animation, not Pixar. And that is that I think they traffic in the realm of characters talking how they imagine how forty-year-old writers imagine kids to talk, where it's like, well, that just happened, or this is so awkward. And I feel like this movie is the one that I cannot use about, like, because I always, like, point to, like, Luca and turn around to be like, look, these movies don't do that. These children are awkward and funny, but they talk like people talk. And then I watch The Good Dinosaur, I'm like, oh, alright, this is a movie where the characters do talk like how I hate animated movies, like, scripts are written. Um, which is also, I think, I'm going to be positive about the movie briefly, I think this movie is really great at two separate times. One is it's incredible when there's nothing in the, like, it's just backgrounds. The second time it's great is when it is just, they're silent. <laughs> they're just moving around. I might not like the character designs, but at least they're being quiet and they're being very communicating in the editing and the score and just nothing is going on. And it is great. Like, I find the movie mesmerizing if Arlo is not speaking. Uh, there was quite a bit of it that I, I, I started to think about the opening of Wally, where that just it, it demonstrated Pixar's like you know nonverbal storytelling. I thought it was fantastic, and I see glimpses of that in the Good Dinosaur. Um, you know the scene where they're talking about family with the circle, and I thought there's you know there's no dialogue here, and this is probably the most insightful moment in the film, without yeah. any lines. And I think I think if they had really embraced that. Throughout a lot more of throughout a lot more of the film, I think you could have had more of something than they had. Yeah, I think also 
Um, first, I was going to make a joke, but I think I might put a pin in that joke, because I'm sure we'll talk about what I'm going to make a joke about anyway. Um, I think that scene is very powerful in a way that you don't expect from this film. And I kind of come back to, there's a thing I always, I don't even know if I mentioned this podcast or not, but I think the ending of this movie, I feel, I while I was watching the end of the movie, I felt like, I, I, I just felt in my gut that Mark Young was watching this movie and going like, of course they're bringing back the circle. Of course that's how this ends where they do the circle thing. And it's like, you stay here, I go there, different circles for different folks or whatever. Uh, well, you know, you know what I wasn't? Because they they red herringed me on that actually, and I wasn't sure if they were gonna do a circle or if they were gonna do paw prints or if they were gonna make them sticks. There are too many symbols in this movie that indicate when when people are a family. So when they brought back the circle one, I was kind of like, well, why didn't why hasn't that been the only one in this movie? I wasn't I wasn't sure which way it would go. I did actually, you know what actually happened is I got a little teary-eyed when he drew the circle around him with the other cave people. See, I did too, and I don't like admitting that, because I think it is very much what we talk about, it's like, the can Pixar sad ending, but then it, like, you know, it still happens, and you're like, they got me again, I'm mad that they got me. Because uh, mm-hmm. it feels very calculated, and I... I don't know. I actually get mad at the actual final shot of the film because I don't know what Arlo did to earn his mark. It just gets me upset that he got it. He lived. <laughs> he was he good. Lived, but they don't know. Like, there was never any sort of, um, you know, Arlo never demonstrated to his family what he went through. There's no, there's no resolution to that. And then they just, they give him the mark because he came back and it felt like a pity offer. You know, it's like, oh, sorry, you went through this horrible traumatic thing that we don't even know about. Here's your mark. Welcome home. Like, it just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. Every, it has to come back, doesn't it? Um, it's, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that is that is something I wish was more explored is like, what was the point of his journey? And I know, you know, this is obvious. We're all thinking this, but like, why couldn't they settle on one thing for him to learn? Was it like self-reliance? Was it getting over his fear? Was it, you know, compassion for animals? I feel like that's something that's kind of unexplored in the film is that there are a lot of moments that could lead to a movie being about like um, living on a farm or in in the wilderness. You kind of have to be more cruel and, and hard as a, a person or a dinosaur when you have to like encounter nature. And I feel like that's, that's something I wish was more explored in the film. But it doesn't really like come up a whole lot. I think another problem this film has related to that is, and I don't think this is a problem for me watching it. I think this actually genuinely got me excited while I was watching it when it happened. But I also think I'm not the target audience for this film. Uh, and that is like, whenever something very violent happened in this film, that is incredibly like, written for like little kids and like suddenly the father dies on screen we see his neck break or they rescue a cute lit animal and a pterodactyl immediately eats it on screen or like stuff like that where i'm like ripping off the bug's head yeah like and it's all like played for laughs but it's also not it's just genuinely disturbing imagery (laughs) (laughs) and it's just all in this film or like 
when like at the end it's like oh I was watching and it's like the ter- the two pterodactyls like get drowned and I'm like oh dang he killed those guys he killed well, those he pterodactyls rips, he rips out the, the wing of the third one yeah I, I even kind of cringed a little bit when I saw it I was like ooh and it's just yeah. what, where'd this stuff come from in this film that feels like it's designed for five year olds yeah mm-hmm. well yeah, I, there's so much in it that is you know it tries to do a million different things um even towards the end when arlo sees his dad come back when he's all you know caught up in the vines or the reeds and his dad kind of leads him away from that and then he disappears like that was never established throughout the beginning where it's like arlo's like no i still need my dad i still need my dad i can't do this without my dad if they had you know planted those breadcrumbs throughout the movie maybe he's seeing him continuously or he's just asking like dad what can i do what would you do and then if it built up to that scene where he finally sees his dad again, and then that's when it sparks that moment of self-reliance, I think it would have been a lot more, there would have been a lot more payoff than if it was just like, oh, now we're now we're doing this. Now we're bringing the dad back just because we want an emotional beat. It felt uh, so, I think you said it really well, it felt so calculated. Everything in this movie felt so calculated. Like, okay, now we need this moment with the father. Now we need this moment with the dog. Now we need this moment, like, it frustrated me quite a bit. I I think there's also this thing where um well I want to talk about that scene very briefly cuz I don't think we're going to get back to it. Is I think that scene is so weirdly executed once it pays off the way it does cuz it's like ghost dad comes to save him and he doesn't think it's ghost dad until he notices that there's no footprint in the mud but he has footprints in the mud and then he wakes up anyway. <laughs> So well, they last Jedi did. It was. Did you know they they did the same thing they did in the Last Jedi, where Kylo Ren's footprints are making the white salt turn red, and then you see Luke. Ryan aren't. Johnson saw the good dinosaur. Saw the Ghost Dad scene. It was like he was like, I want this in Star Wars. We need to put Ghost Dad in Star Wars. <laughs> but not Anakin Skywalker. We don't want him back. No. Uh, but- I can only refer to that scene as like, oh yes, there's Ghost Dad. <laughs> He's here. <laughs> um, Isn't that scene kind of freaky because they never show his face, and you all, I, I kept thinking he was gonna turn around and his eyes would be like black, or there. You be see him at the very beginning when he walks up to Arlo. You do see his face for one shot, but then they weirdly don't show it after that. And and I see what you mean. Like it, it seems like it was intentional. But if they showed it at the beginning anyways, then it loses that effect. Well, I think as considering these things... It's like as, Tomorrowland. Like what is, Sorry. What is, I, what's like Tomorrowland? Is how, like, that, it builds up to the reveal of George Clooney, but they accidentally showed him at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, but I just mean like, I think about, you know, those things as having some function in the narrative, right? Like when his feet don't make footprints i think that's the thing that says oh he's a ghost and then he's also got his face turned around so that creates a new a new question and a new beat to have happen so i was like well they've already showed us that he's a ghost because of the feet so like the next thing has to be like oh he's he's been destroyed somehow and arlo has to face his dad dying once again or something like that so I think that's another thing that contributed to me thinking that it was going to be way more horrifying than it was. I mean, the whole movie who is the, way more horrifying. Who are the writers? Than you think on? It's gonna... 
there was a lot of writers on this movie. That's what I noticed in the credits. Uh, the main writer was Meg Lafave, who wrote Inside Out. I have to imagine that's one of those things where, like in our Strange Magic episode, we talk about who landed the plane. Um, there are five people on the story credits, and those are Pete on obviously. Eric Benson, Meg Lafave, again, who wrote the script. Kelsey Mann, soon to be given a film. And Bob Peterson. Um, I'm just so curious on what the original version of this movie was. Is, has there been any info released about that at no, all? Like, is there anything we can find? No, because Bob Peterson works at Pixar. So it's like, he has he's not bitter about it at all, you know? He's just like, oh yeah, that's some, you know? Usually when they get he's the info a... on the, um, usually when we get that info on, like, these disregarded projects, it comes from the people who've left the studio. And so it's right. like... He's there, so he's like, no, I'm happy. Like, Pete did a good job. Like, so he doesn't want to bring it up. Which I get, but it's also like, what happened where... I don't know. Like, it's just really what... What what was so bad with Bob's version of the movie that we had to bring Pete on to give us this? Because um, it really just feels to me like such a misbegotten idea of a film. Um, and also, though, I will say this. I think this is one of those films, and I hate to be... This is me after I trashed the movie for so much. This is a film where it's hurt by being a Pixar movie. Because I feel like if this was, like, you know, a Blue Sky movie or a DreamWorks movie, we would be like, oh, that was a little... Like, that was a little slight, but it was nice. Um, and this being a Pixar movie is just, like, how did this happen? <laughs> like, that, that's, that's where it comes. It's like, where, where did this come from? <laughs> like, well, I was... So I was thinking about this while I was watching the movie... Um, where if they had, and you know, this is just my own little headcanon, but if they had really gone for the, as you were saying, Mark, um, you know, set in a, a modern day society where humans and dinosaurs coexist as, you know, you would say as equals, not as, you know, dog and owner, right? Mm -hmm. If you, if you had that there, you could have explored different tensions in society between the humans and the dinosaurs and, Pixar really could have gone into this, you know, messaging about, uh, you know, differences between the species and, you know, how you might get some kind of social stratification out of that, a lot like what Zootopia did. And I wonder, didn't those films come out pretty close together, Good Dinosaur yeah, and Zootopia? Zootopia is pretty soon after this. Yeah. Zootopia would have had, like, I think Zootopia would have had the sloth trailer attached to this film. Could it, uh, like, could they have seen and who knows, but maybe the original version might have had some similarities to Zootopia, and since they're both Disney films, they wanted those to diverge. See, here's the thing to me there, and this is where we risk going a little too much in the thinking, like, like being of like, course. what if this, what if this? But my thing is, is that Bob Peterson starred the movie, then Pete Son came onto it. If it were the other way around, I'd be more willing to think that, because Pete Son's follow-up movie is a film that feels like, oh, we saw Zootopia, let's see Pixar's Zootopia, but make it about yeah. fire people and water people. So that's something where it's like, but since Bob Peterson started the film, I don't know. I think the issue with this film was always that I think you can do a movie. Here's my whole thing. I think you can do a movie about dinosaurs and like humans living together and have it be set in the setting and have it be a Western, like in a farm area. That's all cool, but I think you just leave everyone disappointed 
If you imply that dinosaurs evolved millions of years to the point where they could have a society where they have a farm, and then you don't give us, like, a dino city or something like that. Or, like, a dino settlement of people. Instead, every dinosaur he comes across is a nomad, with the exception of the T-Rexes, who are just a family unit. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's like, what was the point of us showing, like, these dinosaurs build a silo to store their grain? They've evolved. If there's no other evolution to them other than they have a farm. Well, wasn't or it they, was they Arlo's ranch. family the only agricultural dinosaurs? Yes, in the film. The was. others were just dinosaurs. Yeah, so it's like these dinosaurs don't seem. Evolved. It seems to me like you guys just wanted to make a dinosaur movie, and you can't. You you came up with this ridiculously good. What if the asteroid never hit the? Well, it's not even that good of a hook. It's just a hook that like sells you on the movie if you did jump ahead a billion years. But yeah. being what it is, it's like okay. So there are cave people and dinosaurs living together. I've seen the Flintstones. Uh, so, well, I think I think that's another. And I, I don't want to, you know, just spend this whole episode just bashing and bashing and bashing. But that's another issue with the with the story for this movie is that they didn't need to even be dinosaurs, right? Like in Inside Out, the entire screenplay hinges on them being emotions inside someone's head, or in The Incredibles everything is built around the fact that they're these superheroes or Monsters, Inc. Like it's, Finding it's, Nemo does not work if they're not fish. Yeah, exactly. But Good Dinosaur works with anything. That actually... It's funny, because I had a very similar thought while I was watching the film. And my thought was... It was whatever. It was one of the montages, um, and it was just a shot of them sitting by a fire, Spot and Arlo, and I had the thought where it's like, that could just be a human and a dog. And I realized yeah. the only reason, because this was I was thinking about watching Soul this right when I because I sorry that I keep bringing up Soul but I did just see it this week. Um, we'll do a full Soul episode later. But I was watching Soul and my whole thought during Soul is it's kind of the thoughts we talked about during our Boy in the Heron episode where it's like this is a film that hypothetically could be done in live action, but no one would buy a talking cat. So why would you do it in live action when you can do it in animation where we just accept the talking cat and. Thus, to me, the only reason I could get to why this was a dinosaur and a human was that at the end, we can buy that the human, the dog, has autonomy to go back to its family unit. You know? If we just ran across... If this was a movie about a human and a dog, and we just saw, like, a pack of wolves pop up at the end, and the cowboy was like, alright, you can go hang out with your own kind. That would feel weird. They're gonna <laughs> eat They're gonna eat the dog. <laughs> yeah, that, that would feel weird. But in this well, movie, it's like, oh. they come across a human family go join this family it's like okay i can buy that because that's a human that's the only reason to me i feel like that this movie chose to be the way it is was to get to that ending and i don't think the ending is that good enough to be worth that <laughs> like sorry mark you had something you wanted to yeah, add yeah, yeah. sorry yeah, yeah well i didn't really want to add it you every you know i keep being reminded of a better film that must exist somewhere and i'm always like but no danny Alpha's if you did a better it like this, this it would be great El, did have you guys, say Elf? Have you guys seen the movie Alpha? It's a better yes. film. Than oh. <laughs> Do you know what Alpha is, Mark? I know. Yeah, I've heard of Alpha. That's like, it's the wolf movie, right? Yeah, it's the wolf caveman movie. Mm. I didn't know there were cavemen in it, but the I mean, there's... The movie... Oh, no, you're thinking about a different movie. Alpha, you're thinking Alpha and Omega, which is an anime movie. I'm talking about Alpha, which was a live action movie starring Cody Smith-McPhee that had like no dialogue. Um, and mm. it's just about him domesticating the first dog, basically, because he's a caveman in it. 
but yeah. it's just a movie about him and his dog. It's pretty chill, pretty relaxed. Throwing in my experience really quick, side tangent, with Alpha being working at the theater at that time is I remember like you know how August is always kind of the, the dog days of, of movies, especially yeah, at the box office. Yeah. It's um the Meg and Alpha were both like weird sleeper hits in whatever town I lived in. I remember the Meg was like sold out opening night for like well, the both. Meg was a hit you know, everywhere. It was huge. And and no one expected like six months before the Meg came out, no one thought it was gonna gross half a billion dollars. Right? That movie just did super, super well. And then all of a sudden and it held. Like it probably dropped like 15, 20% at our market. And then yeah. Alpha came out and it practically mirrored the Meg. And so we had these two like giant blockbuster movies that no one saw coming. And all of a sudden this August at the at the theater, it was like there was lineups wrapping around part of the building over these two movies that, you know, they're not comic book films. Well, Alpha, yeah, Is Mark, you Meg should check. Good, Mark, what? don't check out the Meg. Check out Alpha. I think you might yeah. find enjoyment out of Alpha. Alpha is the Revenant if, if it was about dogs. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't. I'm not like a dog and dog movie enjoyer. I'm just. I had this idea, like, no, it's this young kid. I'm basically like, what if it was the plot of what you're telling me? The plot of Alpha is, and yeah, there you go. Um... I don't know. It's I don't know. I'm not sure if I would like that movie. I don't love I don't love the uh the Apes movies because I don't love that they don't have a lot of dialogue in the opening. Um so there you that, that's I don't know. Are you I excited for the movie. new one? What new one? The new Apes the new... movie where the trailer has dialogue in it. All the monkeys talk now. Uh, I mean maybe I wasn't I'm not even like up to date on if they're coming out. Um but anyway, that's not... I didn't want us to get off track about, like, other movies that aren't this. Yeah, um, no, that's fair. But, well, no, 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 I mean, we can, but I feel like I did that, and but it's kind of silly for me to just be like, what if it was the movie Alpha, you know? I think um, this movie reminds but, me oh, of oh, the I know what I wanted to say. Oh, tell me what you're going to say. It's more interesting than talking about Rango for the fifth episode in a row. What if we did Rango? Um, but <laughs> I, like the, the thing like that I do want to say is... Why don't we just watch Rango? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but like, so you said that it's like, oh no, we have to have that moment to justify this relationship between the dinosaur and the human, but I, or, or to justify the bizarre setting of this film not being in the present. And I, I just, I don't know. I just don't think that's the case. I feel like them, the difference between ranchers and like farmers the difference between like homesteaders and cowboys is this ancient story uh story device you know i think that's enough and i think that it's a clear leap from that to like meat eaters plant eaters kind of thing you know i just don't i just don't know if they saw i do think in the beginning and this is me breaking my rule about not getting theoretical i think in the beginning because of the title and because of everything they must have thought about it being zootopia and i just think every time this movie passed through another set of hands they they warped it a little bit or i do they think pulled the, something back or something like the that. Final that, that film, that's just the only thing the final film does feel like a western Part of that's the score, which we haven't talked about yet, but I think the score is, like, the film's best asset besides the background. I think the score is really beautiful. Not that it's hummable at all, but it just feels like, oh, okay, I see they're trying to evoke a western, and this music is getting me there. 
more so than anything mm-hmm. else in the actual script. Um, and I think the, and that's by the way, Michael Dana and Jeff Dana, in case we don't bring him up later. Um, very nice score by them. Um, mm-hmm. but I think there is merit in wanting Pixar to do a Western because it's like, of course, they're like one of the great American film studios. Why don't they do a Western? I think the problem with it is, in this case, is not only that it's not, like, initially pitched to you as a Western, because I feel like it needs to be initially pitched as a Western, but I don't think anyone's asking for a Western with dinosaurs. Like, I, I just think that's something that, like, that is... Dinosaurs are cool, and Westerns are kind of, like... I don't want to say they're lame, but to children, they kind of are. <laughs> so, it's like... This is a very weird juxtaposition of, oh, cool, dinosaurs. Oh, wait, it's baby dinosaur Western. I don't want to watch this. I don't know, Danny. I think we could have one of the top-rated shows on, like, kids' early morning program, and we just do the James Cameron Dinosaurs Plus Western Give Me a Billion Dollars. I mean, to be fair, the most popular show on television right now is Yellowstone. Not that I know anyone who watches it, but, um, you know, like... I know know people who watch Yellowstone. I, um, I had... Okay, the little thing about Yellowstone is that... I do know one person who watched Yellowstone, and we kind of got into a conversation about it. I remember one thing they said was, you know, and and I just want to say, it's not just for white people. <laughs> it's for everyone. <laughs> and so I, I, I was I, like, what a, what, a, what a great review. Thank you so much. I, I don't talk about Yellowstone in public anymore after the time I was writing back with front of the podcast Matt Smith on an Uber. And I was like on my phone, I was like, oh, looks like the Yellowstone season finale was on last night. And our Uber driver suddenly was like, don't tell me anything. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I just started pretending I watched it because I didn't want to explain I was making a joke about a show they liked. Uh, I felt kind of like a jerk. So I was just like, yeah. Anyways, Dylan, do you watch the Yellowstone? I don't know. It's I was going to say, I've did. never seen a single episode of Yellowstone, but I don't know anyone in my life over the age of 40 who doesn't watch Yellowstone. Like, my parents, my aunts and uncles, my 88-year-old grandma, the teachers at the school that I work at, like, it's, it's, yeah, I'm not shocked. I heard it's decent. But nobody my age watches it. It's, it's like a thing for a particular set of generations that just other generations have missed out on, so. I feel like every time there's, like, a big HBO show, like, Succession or Game of Thrones or, like, House of the Dragon or Last of Us. It always is like, wow, look at how popular this is. And people point out, this show is watched by like 5 million less people than Yellowstone. Or in the case of Succession, 10 million less people than Yellowstone. And it's like, oh yeah, there's an entire world out there of TV by people who don't use the internet. Well, isn't Yellowstone on like CBS or something? No, it's on like the Paramount Network. That's what gets it even more confusing too. It's like, I didn't even know the Paramount Network had shows. I thought they just played movies. See, in Canada, we have it on Prime. That makes more sense for an international success. Yeah. Um, I also know here they started airing it on CBS during, like, the strikes. Because it's like, well, we have a popular show. We can just air on CBS. Um, Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I'm not saying that Yellowstone is good or bad. I like westerns, and I like huge stories. Um, But, yeah. It is interesting. This other world is out there. But anyway, the good dinosaur. I know that you said we didn't want to talk trash all the time. So let's talk about something good that isn't the backgrounds or the score. 
Yes, Danny, yeah. you raised your hand. So you're raising this it pretty like, enthusiastically. The teacher so, in me just wants to be like, "Come on, man!" Like, hear me out. Let yes. Not only is this film a film that goes way too dark at points, which isn't a bad thing for me. I just think it's a bad thing for its target audience. But also, it includes possibly the most DreamWorks joke we've seen in every Pixar movie so far, besides maybe some stuff in Brave. And that is the drug trip sequence, which I do enjoy. I think it's impossible not to enjoy it, because it's just very trippy and weird. And it's like, it happens, and then they immediately move on from it and never mention that it happened again. You can go to the bathroom during this and come back and be like, what I miss? Uh, they tripped on they tripped on acid. And be like, what? <laughs> and come back and be like, oh, okay. I, I actually like that you mentioned that it felt like a DreamWorks joke. I never really put that together, but yeah, it felt when like when we watch it, you know, we're 15, 16 year old boys. We watch it, we think that's hilarious. And even rewatching it now, I was like, yeah, it's a funny scene. Um, I don't know if any of you guys saw Trolls World Tour, but I remember DreamWorks kind of one up to that that drug trip scene with uh, Justin Timberlake's character, and I don't know who else. I remember watching that movie during like the, the idea of there being a cold war in anime movies to win the craziest drug trip. <laughs> I don't know, Trolls World or Trolls yeah, Trolls World Tour. I think that one takes the cake, but um ooh, yeah, that was trippy. But I think the good dinosaur actually that was it that was a good scene. There wasn't a lot of humor I found in the movie, but the stuff that worked I thought actually worked pretty decently. Um the line from the uh the triceratops with the bird on its shoulder it's like oh i call this one dream crusher he stops me from having unrealistic goals yeah it's a little forced but i laughed when i saw it i liked it what was mm. i think he yelled he because he gives suggestions for spot which by the yeah. way stupid name for your, your your character i don't like it that the name of the human is spot that's weird um but he goes like bulldozer and it's one of those moments where i'm like you guys We've seen your we've seen your farms. We've seen the construction materials you have. Bulldozers don't exist. So where did that word come from? <laughs> you don't like funeral planner. That's that one too. It's like you're telling me these guys have funerals. I mean, we see that they bury them. We do see a gravestone in this film that Ghost Dad rises from. But imagine if Ghost Dad was like a zombie rising from like the grave. That would be a more interesting thing. Mm-hmm. He's actually got like this zombie, you know, he's got pieces of flesh missing from him. Imagine when Jeffrey he goes Wright to find Harlow. Oh my gosh, guys, I just realized I can do my Jeffrey Wright impression in this episode. If I'm allowed to. I feel like you guys aren't gonna allow me to, so it's okay. I'm just I, a guess. I mean you can you can it's an impression. You can do it at any time. But well, like what does Jeffrey does Jeffrey Wright even have memorable lines in this other I don't this, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're gonna find an iconic Jeffrey Wright line. But with this this movie, you can like make up something that sounds like an inspirational quote, and just say that, and make you don't have to like, like edit my it. My Little Pony. That wasn't my good. Let me get let me get my Jeffrey Wright impression because I did it for <laughs> I did it for D and D for a bit at one point, and it was like my my character became Jeffrey Wright for a few weeks, and it was like uh, it was like I'm the Reg, and I'm not happy anything i don't know it's just my i guess it's my impression of him in batman so it becomes like a batman voice but then it just becomes you kind of you kind of just did a batman voice yeah (laughs) um the Um, drug trip scene uh is one of my pet peeves because it is (laughs) i'm annoyed by drug trip scenes 
that are something you wouldn't want to see when you're tripping. Like, you don't actually, like... It's not it's not pleasant to, like, see disturbing imagery when you're high. And, I don't know, that kind of thing frustrates me. So, like, because it's not... It's not pleasant, you know? When, well, I'll if, let you know, having, I like... tripped recently and I thought I was a pillow during it, so... And wouldn't that be nice if they were pillows, but they're, like, he's having an allergic reaction, and he, like, grows extra limbs. He grows extra then... eyes, and it looks very disturbing in the, for a second. Mm. Well, that is... I do think this this film has a lot of... Like, lately, in Inside Out, I have this, too. There's just, like, a line or two that seems especially funny, and it seems kind of out of tone with the rest of it. And for me, that wasn't a line. That was the moment when... Buck is first born, and he's like, oh, he's a little whippersnapper, or something like that, and he grabs a stick, and he just starts, like, beating his dad's leg over and over again, and then they just keep talking, but he keeps beating him with the stick. I think that's he shows up, and that... then he starts beating the egg with the stick, too. It yeah. was good. I... Yeah. I think that that actually, to me, is the moment where I'm watching this movie, and I immediately am like, oh, no. Because to me, that's actually a really easy joke to make. And I'm just kind of like, okay, so this is a movie where we're going to have a baby be born and immediately just start, like, be able to do everything and be like... And it's not that it needs to do... Like, I don't mind the baby being able to walk immediately. It's a cartoon. But what I, I do mind is like, oh, the joke is that he's hitting someone. Like, that is the entire joke. He's just hitting someone. Well, um, it wasn't just that he was hitting someone. It was It was the way he was animated because it was just this rotation of the head like it looked very mechanical and that appealed to me because he like he lost his his um his like self he became a, a hitting machine and i think that was special i think sometimes when a baby or someone is like animated to hit they have a little too much like they retain the fact that they're a baby with like agency which i think is less appealing to me because then it makes the baby seem like a real jerk but if you can re- remove some of that personness from it, it's more funny to me. This response is also not a bit, by the way. This is like actually how I think about this stuff. I feel like I, Dan, Danny, you're just like giving me such a scowl right now. I'm just like honestly, Mark. I'm looking at this you... movie. I just scrolled through the entire Wikipedia summary. I'm like, so much stuff happens in this movie. But yet, nothing happens at all. It's kind of like Tomorrowland in that vein. But also, it's just like... Why? <laughs> why, mm-hmm. why was this made? <laughs> it feels like a series of short films, almost. Like, okay, our logo's... Or like like an episodic, you know, three, four meets episode series. a new dinosaur series. every five minutes, basically. Yeah, it just meets a different dinosaur, does a little adventure... You know, he faces some kind of fear and he has to act a little brave. And then with each one, he's acting, you know, a little bit more brave, a little bit more self sufficient. But it felt very just strung together. Like, okay, we've got this scene, now we got this scene, now we got this scene. Let's have a montage of them walking through beautiful wilderness to connect those. And every time Arlo talks, the movie gets worse. I know I said that already, but just it's just accurate. Anytime he opens his mouth, I'm like, Oh no! This is the voice actor for speak. Arlo that I'm assuming it's a child actor? Did that yeah, I'm not, kid I'm ever not, go I'm, on to do anything? 
I'm not attacking the kid to be clear. I'm just oh, saying no, that totally. it's a it's it's a rough role. He was in The Walking Dead on oh, a video game of The Walking Dead. Okay. Um, this was his own his last film role was The Good Dinosaur. He uh, he's famous for his role as Boy in Merry Christmas Drake and Josh. Uh, he was on the Big Show show. It looks like he just has a lot of episodes appearance, and then he acted on The Walking Dead video game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it looks to me like he just kind of like retired, which makes sense because he grew up and he has a kid now, which is fine. That's good. Oh, well, I wonder if um, do we have anything else. I, oh, I'll, I'll contribute to this because I brought it up. I think the one thing that I liked that hasn't been mentioned yet is I think that the opening with the asteroid is very effective. And I know that was probably designed from the trailer, but I just think like the storytelling's clean, the joke works to me. Um, it is threatening, and then you know, not threatening. It just uh, visually makes perfect sense. Um, I just that's something I really enjoyed. And this movie is full of bizarre moments where it's like not clear what things are or how they relate to other things like i think the reveal of uh the weird bird guy is very strange to me because he doesn't actually become like easier to see you just kind of get a sense that he's there until they cut to them and they start doing the two shots back and forth um so i wanted to point out the opening but i wanted to ask is there anything else that's like a burning thing we wanted to mention about this movie before we maybe wrap it up um I want to give shout out to like the coolest imagery in the film, which is near the end of the movie, where I'm like, oh good, the movie's about to wrap up. Then, oh no, we have to fight the pterodactyls again. But you see them as like sharks in the clouds. Ooh, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I can't that was I forgot, cool. That was the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, similarly, but not as cool. I like the scene where they're like, actually, this was something I was going to bring up briefly, and maybe it's a little silly to bring up. Maybe it's a follow-up to Inside Out in a way is this there's a scene in this that remind me a lot of my imaginary friend as a kid because my imaginary friend was like a chihuahua that I would always like throw up in the air and then catch and that's what I was reminded of when he was throwing spot through the clouds and I like that imagery too but not as much as sky sharks sky sharks was cooler <laughs> you know what I actually really liked about that scene is um when he's throwing spot up into the clouds yeah. you see spots reaction to what he's seeing before you see the imagery itself and yeah. i thought that was actually that was really effective seeing the character's reaction as opposed you know kind of keeping it a mystery for a little bit that was good and if nothing else the imagery in this film is constantly gorgeous i was saying um that the best part of this movie in a way i remember the best part of this movie was the credits because you can just sit there and look at the backgrounds and, and just silent. enjoy it arlo's not talking Arlo's not there. You get the wonderful score playing. It's just beautiful to look at. You know, the mm-hmm. silent dinosaur could have been a good title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why not just so, the dinosaur? The dinosaur. <laughs> the, the, the boy dinosaur. and the dinosaur. <laughs> so, if the dinosaur that... had Robert Pattinson's hair and voice, <laughs> the movie might be a little more, uh, a little more interesting. <laughs> So I wanted yeah, now to I'm just scared. ask. Well, so I just want to. I just wanted to now ask. Um, as we're wrapping up, um, 
you know, when you saw this film when it first came out, did it make you think anything about like the future of Pixar? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this film was all over the place. Did you have any feelings about like, oh, <laughs> where will the company go from here? I wow. can start with that. Oh, you go oh, ahead. Yeah. Unless you really want to, Danny. No, no, no. Please, no, please, you Dylan. can go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll see if I, you have my answer. See, because I, I liked it more when I first saw it. Again, my friends liked it more than I did, but I liked it more when I first saw it than I did recently. Um, and I didn't think it was like creatively such a disaster. You know, the box office was worrying, um, but they just had Inside Out, um, and. You know, being the age Finding that I Dory was, was, in I the was... Wings, so you knew that they were going to be financially okay. So exactly, but... <laughs> and Finding Dory, right? Finding Dory yeah. was what was coming up. I was, you know, wasn't as good as I thought it would be, but I was thinking, okay, Finding Dory is going to be this, you know, Oscar-winning, like, fantastic follow-up to Finding Nemo. And I thought, okay, if this is a lesser Pixar effort, it's bookended between two massive, massive films. And I didn't really worry so much about the future of Pixar so much as it's, you know, this is a bump in the road. Like, Pixar did have a creatively tumultuous early 2010s. And, you know, it felt like a bit of a continuation of that. But I, I wasn't, yeah, no, it, I never really was worried in that sense, Mark. Mm. Mm. Okay. And Danny? Um, I think the important thing to really look at the film that we actually didn't talk about the perspective of is that this film was going to... Well, this is the first film... The first year Pixar releases two films in a year. Um, and this was something where at the time they were like, this is going to be something we're going to try to do always. Uh, and, you know, they did it again in 2017 and 2020 and 2022. And all the examples of it include a... I would say, honestly, every time they've done this, they've put out a classic... And a really terrible film. <laughs> but at the time of Inside Out, we did not know that. Oh, let me rephrase. I'm sorry, sorry. Because I see I see Dylan's, like, putting his finger up. I don't think Onward is terrible. That's I what I was going to say. I, but I do I'm think an Onward... Onward defender, so... You're an Onward... That's, and that's fair. I think Onward is still, like, in my bottom six or five, five or six Pixar movies. And that's, that's fair. But it's around where Monsters U is. So in Monsters U, we talked on this podcast. I like Monsters U. It's just... It's good. Uh, I was saw a tweet earlier this week that referred to Onward as "What if Dad was pants," and that just made me happy because that, that is what that film is about. Like, what if Dad was pants? Um, mm -hmm. But what was their other twenty twenty two one? Because there was Turning Red and Lightyear. Oh God, I'm forgetting about that movie. Yeah, okay, you're right. So we all we all collectively decided to forget because. So if I don't know how to pronounce it, Elio or Elio or whatever the other Pixar this year was supposed to be. If that had come I mean, out, I thought in Inside Out Two was going to be the bad movie. I thought Inside Out that Two was going to be the bad one. Yeah, because it's got a director who's only done a short film and then it wrote, helped write the Good Dinosaur. So it's like, I, I mean, I thought know. Turning Red was pretty good, given that the director had only done Bow. But I might be well, biased as Canada. Well, the other thing mm. with Bow is Bow is an original short. Kelsey Mann directed the Monsters Use short about using doors as portals. Like, I think that's okay. a very different level of creativity than yes. what Bao is. Right. Um, but I think that's really where this is. Actually, I, I joked earlier, a groundbreaker, Pixar's first bomb. But even if this film didn't bomb, it would have been a groundbreaker. I mean, it's the first time they released two movies in a year. And I think, in a way, I think that definitely lessens the value of Pixar. Because they used to be like, you get one a year at most. 
and being like, yeah. this is your, you get two is like, okay, so which one is the B tier film? Um, and that was kind of the attitude, even when this was coming, like once the trailer started coming out for this, it's like, okay, so inside out was the big effort this year, yeah. you know? So, so um, I know, I know you're, you're mentioning wrapping it up, Mark, but I'm, I'm just kind of curious, like why, cause we alluded to this earlier, but why do you guys think this movie was such a big bomb? Cause it's not like it had a big opening and then just crash and burned with legs. It had a it, relatively small opening and then like a, you know, a three multiplier. Like it, it wasn't a horribly I think, bad legs, but it just never caught on. I think what people forget about Pixar with their original films is that I think Inside Out is when this begins really in earnest. I think Coco has, if I remember right, Coco dis- opened disappointingly, but then really legged it out. And the right. thing is with Pixar is, is that a Pixar original, the ceiling is incredibly high if the quality is there. Um, and the quality has to be there. The quality is not here. And very important of Inside Out is Inside Out does not make it to however much money made. I know it made over like $300 million. It does not make it that high if it does not have the adults going to see it on their own. And that is something that Pixar uniquely has where it's like in the 2010s, everyone grew up with Pixar who's an adult now. They might just be a couple who's like, oh, this looks like the type of movie I loved as a kid. Let's go check it out. And that's something that, like, say, even though they weren't released in theaters, a movie like Soul has that. A movie like Turning Red has that. A movie like Luca even has that. Uh, and Coco obviously has that. Coco just had to get over the hump of the first release to get those legs um, yeah. because it wasn't marketed well. I think this movie was saddled with a bad marketing campaign. I think this movie was saddled with the unfortunate happenstance of being released not only right before Star Wars, so Disney was focusing on Star Wars, but also since it's a younger marketed film, it released against a movie starring Charlie Brown and Snoopy, two of the most iconic characters in young children's media. Uh, and I think also the Peanuts movie ever got better reviews than this did too. So if I'm a parent waffling and I haven't seen the Peanuts movie yet, I'm going to go see the Peanuts movie. Right? So right. I think it's the combination of Peanuts competition, Star Wars hype, and the fact there's nothing here for adults at all. It all also it just looks childish too from the trailers. Like Arlo looks like not like Inside Out where like the humans like grounded you in that movie. Not like Brave or Monster not like Brave where it's like those look like mature humans. I'm thinking about the original ones around here. It's like the good dinosaur looks strictly for little kids. I was about to make a reference, and I don't know if this is now a, just a Canadian show. So if you guys don't get the reference, maybe I don't know, but um, Arlo felt like the Caillou of Pixar characters. <laughs> oh, we know guys... who Caillou is. Okay, you guys we know who Caillou, Caillou is. Yeah, yeah. Caillou but, what what is, what is like the... the eight worst character of all time on television. Yeah, he, every time like he would scream and he would just be annoying and he would complain and he would whine. And I get that it's part of his character, but it didn't endear us to him because with characters you need to sympathize with them or empathize with them. And I felt like I did that with Arlo, I was like, oh man, like you lost your dad. I literally saw your dad die. That sucks. But there was nothing about his character where like I wanted to root for him. It's like, you know what? Yeah, if you get eaten, it is what it is. Right? It, he kind of felt like, yeah, he felt like the Caillou of Pixar characters. Mm-hmm. I really I like would, that. I, I would agree. I would definitely agree. Yeah, he just I complains and gets his way. Yeah, <laughs> I don't exactly. have a whole lot more to add to what Danny said because I mean you you think about this exact thing but I, yeah just for me it's like once you go inside there's nothing really for you to recommend to other people um, which is like the legs thing um, and you know, also the marketing I just second everything Danny said yeah but yeah all right 
All right, so here we are now, and on this show, you know, a lot of shows like to give films things like thumbs up or star ratings or things like that. We like to actually give the film something, like an object or a present, that shows how we feel about it. And okay. so, you know, here we are. Um, I, I'll go first here. I think that this movie is like, you know, really, I went into this thinking this was going to be like the worst thing we ever watched. And I don't think that is actually the case. I don't think I it's agree. a film that yeah. I would ever like come back to, but it's also not something that I hate because it doesn't have like a strong, you know, it just doesn't have enough of a strong author voice for me to think like, oh, it's saying something and I disagree with it so strongly. It's just kind of like a mess. It's a jumble of things. So I I don't know if this is like a relevant gift or anything like that, but... I I feel a little bit of sympathy for this movie, so I want to be a little bit nice to it. And I would like to give it a copy of my dinosaur human uh, fun book from my childhood, which was Dinotopia. Um, I liked the miniseries of that growing up. That's crazy, what? because I saw the miniseries after that, and miniseries is not based on any of the characters from the books, and that threw me. But I think everyone hates just, the miniseries besides me. That's I'm I'm intrigued, but we have to like sidebar about that. But I would like to give it a copy of Dinotopia, just so like it can have someone, it can have another piece of media to play with, you know. Okay, that's my gift. I would like to go Danny. next, Dylan. You get to go last because you're the guest. Okay. Um, so I would like to read something on Wikipedia before I give my thing, which is I scroll down to production development, and there's a picture of the logo. The logo is captioned. The film's title was described by Sohn as simple but meaningful. And yet, I still don't know why the dinosaur is good. And this entire time I was watching this movie, I was thinking about one of the coolest DVD bonus features that is out there that I've never watched, even though I know it's there and it's good to know it's there. And that is that on Star Wars The Last Jedi's DVD, you can click a version of the movie that's just John Williams' score and watch the whole movie just with John Williams' score. So I would like to pitch a version of this film where it's just Jeff, uh, Jeff and Michael Dana's score, but also it removes all the character models. And so we remove the dinosaur and it's just the good. I would like to watch Pixar's The Good. That's my. <laughs> that's what I'd like to give it. I think that's what the tree of life is. The good? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just like all the cool stuff. Drop the uh, dinosaur. It's cleaner. Drop the, the dinosaur. <laughs> okay. Got to come up with a gift. I'm I'm kind of like waffling back and forth between a couple things. Um, Feel free now, to give it multiple. We've had, guests, we've had guests who've given things multiple things. So Okay. Yeah, well, it, I, I might do multiple be things then. Because if I would... Okay. I'll, I'm going to go multiple things. Because I don't know if I want to be a little snarky and like rude to the movie. Or if I just want to, you know, help it out a little bit. Um... I feel like if I gave the good dinosaur a ticket to um, the Epcot ride, Soren, um, <laughs> I feel like I feel like that. Take out the dinosaurs and you just put Soren over California, but like Soren over the good dinosaur. I feel like that would be that'd be a fantastic ride. Um, so that would be one gift. Would be a ticket to Soren. Um, you know what? Giving the movie an extra two hundred million dollars at the box office might help it out a little bit. So I was feeling generous. I may I may throw that in there, uh, and that's two hundred million Canadian. So you know, still not enough to cover the budget. But um, 
And then if I was feeling rude, I, I can't remember the name of the book, but I've got like a screenwriting book somewhere on my bookshelf. And it just talks about how to create memorable, likable characters, you know, well-structured stories. And I'd like to give the writers of The Good Dinosaur a copy of that book because I feel like they had a lot of really great ideas that just didn't come together as well as I think they hoped it would have, especially given the year and a half delay, um, you know, to, to add some, you know, developmental introductions in there, hopefully. But um, yeah, if I was feeling a little snarky, i give them a screenwriting book or two. Um, but if I was feeling generous, I'd say, you know what, go to Soren over The Good Dinosaur, because that would be a hell of a ride. I like how none of us really trash the character designs in this in this entire episode. Really, I feel like that's the main uh, complaint I always hear about this movie. The character well, design. The thing, the thing is, they look like Pixar characters, but they feel very out of place in the world. I don't think Pixar is at the point yet, like with Turning Red, where there can be this unity between background and character design. Um, and I mean, maybe that's maybe that's not well, this I think journey even that like, they're on. Is like to I think Toy unity, Story Four. Just, you mean they just didn't really go there with this one? You know, they just look like Pixar characters. Well, I think Toy Story Four, where it's like, there you go. You know, and I think the real problem with this movie isn't even the character design; it's the lack of unity within the dinosaurs compared to all the other animals. But that's that's beyond it. You know, it's whatever. Who cares? The movie's clearly flawed. We, we talked about it. We already we already closed it off. Dylan. Thank you for coming on. Dylan, thank you so much. And now, Dylan, um, we're, a lot of our guests, some some of them need to like advertise themselves or or not. But if you want to, is there anywhere where people can find you online? Yeah, I mean, most of my socials are pretty private other than TikTok. Um, mm -hmm. I've got uh, a TikTok page where I've been talking about stories from the movie theater. I'll review movies every once in a while. Um I got told by some 12 year old that I am movie theater TikTok, So I'll, you know, that's, that's going in the bio, but, um, yeah, my, you can find me on TikTok. It's just D A J K nine, nine. Not sure why I haven't changed that username yet, but that's what it's been for three years and that's what it's going to be forever. So thank you so much, Dylan. It really has been wonderful having you on and it was, you're just great talking with you. Thank you so much. It was really great talking to you guys, too. And, like, Danny, I've never talked to you in person, so this has actually been pretty great, interacting for, like, 10 years online, never talking face-to-face, yeah. -face, so. It's all, yeah, because I remember at one point you are thinking of, I think maybe you were part of that group. I know you didn't come, but I think at one point you are like, maybe I can do Barbenheimer, but then it didn't. Yeah, I was, well, I was out. thinking of coming to Barbenheimer, but I'm in Canada, yeah. so, yeah. you know, the traveling it's a bit is. Of a yeah, it's a bit of a. I know, I'm waiting, I'm waiting till everyone goes to Seattle or, like, Maybe LA, but uh, LA is nice. I've done a couple yeah. LA meets. So. Yeah, no, um, I, I think that's that's on the bucket list. Um, well, because now, like working as a teacher, I never work July August ever again. So that's true. That's if there's nice. ever a, a, a forums meetup, I absolutely I need to go to one of those. So, all right. It was here's a I have a really dumb question because okay, was was there a Barbenheimer in Canada? Absolutely. Okay. We, we're basically, we like to think as Canadians that we are separate from the United States, and we are in a lot of ways, but I think culturally, in Barbie terms of like, yeah, yeah, actually, Barbie well, didn't go wide in Canada. Um, no, but like, in terms of like the media that we consume, it's all the exact same. We had a Barbenheimer. I did Barbenheimer. Um, 
everyone did Barbenheimer. It was crazy. So, yeah. Well, you, you have Yellowstone on Prime. I was unsure if Caillou had crossed the border or not. I don't know. So we had some questions about how culture travels. Fair and, enough. Okay, okay. I get Fair you. Enough. I get you. All right. Well, thank you so much. Time to read the credits. Looking for the ocean. Nope. Is you have to ask me what we're doing next time. You always That's forget. right, Danny. What are we doing next week? Uh, next time we're doing a half detour episode. So I'll just go detour. Um, because first we're gonna watch it, a Pixar short, considered a classic Pixar short. Um, Piper, played with Finding Dory, does more of this photorealistic animation. Interesting short. Um, happy, uh, excited to look forward. Bleh. Looking forward to revisiting it. And then we're watching a detour, which is done by some Pixar director. I don't have it open, but trust me, it's by a director at Pixar. It's a short film called Chipotle, a love story. I don't know if it's a Chipotle ad or if it's like a satire about Chipotle. So it's going to be interesting going into it not knowing what it is. What it is. Um, but yeah, the, we'll be watching those two short films next time. All right. Now, All right. Mark, you can go ahead with that. Anyway, and if you want to interject at any time, Dylan, you know, please do. That's why partly we do these live just in case you have objections. But Looking for the Ocean is produced by uh, Mark Young and Danny Vincent. The show is edited by Julius Jefferson. It is our original artwork was done by Sarah Knopf. You can follow us on social media at Facebook at Looking for the Ocean, Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, and Twitter at Pixar Journey, and on our website, lookingfortheoceanpixar.podbean.com. You can find me on markyoungperformer.com. Also, I post on M Young, our M Young Insta. And thank you so much for everyone who came to the show these past two weeks. Sorry that it sold out so fast. Um, it was fantastic, and we sold out a little too quickly. And now, if you follow me online, I'm either going to be part of a reading at the end of this month, or I'm going to be doing that and another reading that is going i'm going to post about it soon i can't talk a whole lot about that right now but look out a post is coming but not steven spielberg's the post um you can follow me danny at blankman's thank you mark for mark just gave you a ha face uh, he's always uh, on yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my job that's my job uh you can follow me danny on letterbox at blankman's uh, I presume I'm working my way through the Oscar noms I haven't seen yet. I think this year I'm not going to try as hard to see the shorts or even necessarily... I'm not going to rent anything. That's my attitude this year. Is like, I'm not going to spend any money on renting anything. Um, but we'll try to wrap up all the noms anyway beyond rentals. But anyway, you can follow me on Blankets for those takes. All my takes on all the movies, as I say. You can listen to my other podcast, The Snub Club, where we talk about the movies that the most Oscar nominations and no wins. That's where you find your podcast. Uh, Dylan... Okay. Thanks again for having on. You were an incredible guest. Uh, I'm Thank glad you, guys. A, I'm really glad we had an incredible guest for this movie because otherwise we'd have been lost. So <laughs> that's you know what? That's fair. I think uh, I think we talked about the good dinosaur more than the rest of the world has combined since 2015. <laughs> so definitely. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>